Hello everyone and welcome to That's the Hat-Trick. I'm your host Aditya Rao and on this week's show, it's all about the Euros. A football special episode. Welcome to the UEFA Euro Roundup. And uh, we'll be going through every single result. Turkey, Italy, Wales, Switzerland, Denmark, Finland, Belgium, Russia, England, Croatia, Austria, Macedonia, Netherlands, Ukraine, Scotland, Czech Republic, Poland, Slovakia, Spain, Sweden, Hungary, Portugal, and France, Germany. And uh, there was a fiery start to the tournament in the first game. Let's get straight into it. It's Turkey versus Italy. Now, for the entire game almost, uh, the entire first half, Turkey were under the cost from the Italians. Uh, I mean, if you look at the stats, Turkey had 24 shots on their goal. Their goalkeeper was extremely busy throughout the first half, Kakir. Um, and it ultimately, you know, Italy went into the first half break uh, goalless and nothing to show for them. But I still think that their 4-3-3 was working well with Jorginho in the middle uh, and the likes of Locatelli and Berardi getting into good positions and then allowing the two strike partners, Insigne and Immobile, to uh, really get into the box and, and make inroads for this Italian team. Um, I thought Spinazzola also had a good game and, and, and just in general, there was a very solid uh, look to this Italian team. You know, obviously you have the two uh, all-timer stalwarts in Chiellini and Bonucci in center defense and uh, they do have a wise old head on them. Um, but, you know, I think apart from that, the, the really es- essence of Italy's performance showed up in the second half. Uh, you know, obviously they wouldn't have wanted to open their account with an own goal, but it was really good play. Uh, on the right-hand side, you know, quick one-twos and and uh, obviously Demiral putting the ball into his own net. Uh, and then from then the floodgates open, you know, Chiro Immobile uh, loves scoring at the Olimpico and does so again. Um, and then finally Lorenzo Insigne just putting a cap on the scoreline and, and, and what a way to start for Italy in their first game of this tournament. Turkey uh, did not show up, let's just put it that way. And, and the Italians were... Dominant in the first half, had nothing to show for it, but in the second half, um, definitely took control and, 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 you know, they looked like favorites for that group already. And in the other game in the group, you know, Wales-Switzerland won one. Uh, and, you know, Switzerland looked pretty good, actually. They had a lot more attempts than Wales. In fact, uh, twice the number of attempts, they had more of the ball, they had more of uh, attacking play, they had more of it in the final third. Uh, and, and, you know, for the most part, the likes of Shakiri, Shaka, uh, Brilimbolo, there was really good one-twos and and triangles created between them. I thought the 3-4-2-1 formation was working pretty well for them. Seferovic, uh, I think he had a decent game for for the most bit, but was definitely not as effective as Mbolo uh, in that role. Um, but I think the Swiss would rue their missed opportunities in this game. Uh, obviously, the the Welsh um, were under the cost for most of the game, you know. But I think that midfield, you look at Allen, Morel, and Ramsey. I think uh, there's some room to sort of stretch that formation in such a way that you create more uh, depth in the midfield and, and and try and keep more hold of more of the ball. But I think Wales definitely played into Switzerland's strategy of uh, keeping the ball, uh, at least in this game. Uh, and then, they, of course, they had the likes of Bale and Dan James to sort of get them out of trouble when needed. Um, but I think the Switzerland definitely ruled out their, uh, uh, their missed chances. Uh, and especially like when they got off to a good start in the second half with uh, Brilim, Brilimbolo um, 
you know obviously Shakiri contributing to the goal and, and it was a really good finish uh to get past the goalkeeper uh, and then they of course they give up the uh the equalizer um and you know obviously Daniel James was part of it uh and you know Kai Fermore was the was the one who equalized and it was it did feel like a little bit of a smash and grab for Wales in that in that situation um but nevertheless the two teams opened their account um with a 1-1 draw and uh, again group a definitely looks like italy's group at the moment um unless uh, the swiss or or you know wales uh you know put up a really big performance in the next game uh, i can only see one person winning this group and then obviously we had denmark and finland uh, now this game will be remembered for um the heroism of the danish players and you know the the resolve and the absolute strength that they showed on the field with the unfortunate events that happened to uh Christian Eriksen uh and Denmark's doctor said that he was quote unquote gone before being resuscitated um so a big thank you to the referee for stopping the game big thank you to the medical staff to the players um who shielded Eriksen and provided him privacy when he was being treated away from the cameras um and Simon Kerr of course needs a special shout out uh for his role in helping uh Christian Eriksen uh, sort of recover from that situation you know comforting his family um and this is all greater than football and the outreach to Christian uh, and his family was great on social media and it was very heartwarming to see and I'm and personally I'm glad his condition is improving and his family is uh is very appreciative of that uh of the fans and, and you know of the players but it, i i still think it was a little callous from ufa's uh standpoint to play the game uh right after that and obviously there were rumors that the game would be played the next day um or at 8:30 p.m. local time and they chose 8:30 p.m. on the same day and uh i can understand that da- danish coach's frustration you know you you've witnessed an almost death of your own player uh and you definitely don't want to be playing uh you're not in the mental stage uh to play that game now obviously if we want to talk about the game Denmark should have really put Finland away um in the first half the the, the front three uh, Paulsen and Brathwaite uh got into good positions obviously Hoybie uh missed the penalty in the second half to equalize but Uh this is a good uh, if you're a Finnish fan this is a big big story. Um and they've lost only one of their last eight competitive matches uh Finland. So it, it is a big result and Poyan Paolo's header uh giving them their first major win in the Euros. So this is this is a really good result for them. I mean if you look at the the, the stats Denmark were on top for most of the game. They had more shots, they had more shots on target. and Finland just had the one attempt the one attempt that counted um and i think Kasper Spiko will not be happy that um that that goal actually went through him um because it was straight at him and you know the lesser goalkeeper uh feel i would feel like he should have done better in that situation but nevertheless the real winners of that game although in in history would be recorded as Finland uh, are the medical staff are the danish players uh for doing such a quick and uh, effective job with the situation to Christian Eriksen and helping him get to hospital and and you know stabilizing his condition so bravo to all of them football wins 
uh, in in general. Finally, we come to the other game in the group, uh, Belgium against Russia. Um, again, Belgium made Russia look very ordinary in this one. Uh, obviously, a defensive mistake uh, to let Romelu Lukaku through. And you know, as soon as I say those words, you know what comes next: a brilliant finish in the bottom right corner. No chance for the goalkeeper uh, Shunin. Uh, it was obviously a, a, a terrible pass that started it from him, but uh, brilliantly finished off by Lukaku. There were some questions about whether he was offside, but I think uh, the, the defenders definitely had time to uh, settle themselves before uh, the shot was uh, put away by Lukaku. And then Thomas Muna, uh, later on in the first half, just 10 minutes before getting his first of the tournament and basically putting the result beyond doubt in the first half um, and then late towards the end uh, it was a uh, Romelu Lukaku brace that uh, sort of kept everything off. Muner had a brilliant game um, and you know brilliant, br- two brilliant finishes from Romelu Lukaku. Team performance especially in the absence of Kevin De Bruyne in that midfield you know we've been talking about how he's one of the best players in Europe and uh, I'm sure a lot of people want to watch him in these years but that Belgian midfield, you know, Dendonker, Tielemans, two experienced Premier League midfielders. Uh, uh, really, really solid. Uh, obviously, Castagne will be a miss uh, if that injury is, is a lot more serious than it looks like. Um, and it look and it looks like he's going to be out for the season. So, yeah, big miss for them in that right wing back position for Belgium. But they do get their campaign off with the win. Now, as far as the other... Big teams uh, in the Euros, obviously, we have England and Croatia, World Cup 2018 semi-final rematch. Everyone remembers how that game panned out for, for England. Uh, but, you know, on this occasion at Wembley, they get the job done. It was definitely a more competitive game than usual. Two sets of 4-3-3s three uh, with Calvin Phillips uh, anchoring that midfield for England. And, you know, obviously, have Declan Rice. Uh, and then Mason Mount was sort of a more free role for him. Uh, and then along the likes of Ford and Sterling and Harry Kane through the middle. Uh, I thought Calvin Phillips had a great game. Obviously, there's a lot of social media appreciation for Calvin Phillips, especially um, we saw how he good he was with Leeds, you know, in that 4-1-4-1 that Bielsa normally plays. Um, and, you know, in a team like Leeds where they're always attacking, uh, especially they love to bring personnel forward. You as a central defensive midfielder, are put under a lot of pressure uh, and and sometimes you don't see the true value of Calvin Phillips in the Premier League because of that style of play but in, in this England setup he definitely um, was was very very good in this first game. Phil Foden started off the game by hitting the post uh, and you know England and uh, Croatia traded blows there were a couple of chance, half chances for Croatia and that in that first half and then at the beginning of the second half but uh, ultimately Raheem Sterling getting the uh, getting the the vital goal of the game and, and sending England on their way uh, in this one uh, and and there was a, another moment of uh, you know a real moment of respect for the Croatia goalkeeper when Hurricane collided with the post and he was the first one Livakovic to uh, uh, check in on Hurricane's condition and make sure he had treatment uh, especially in lights of what happened in the previous game uh, sorry the previous games. Um, so that's good to see but uh, England three big points for Gareth Southgate's men uh, and especially in a group uh, where they have the remaining fixtures of uh, Scotland 
and uh, Czech Republic, uh, they sh- they should be they should be looking to qualify. Uh, looking ahead to Austria against North Macedonia, uh, well, this game had had everything. It had drama. It had high octane football. It had the youngest and oldest goal scorer for North Macedonia in their history uh, in the Euros, uh, and it had an Austria win. Uh, and it started off in the first half with uh, a brilliant crossfield pass from Sabitza. I mean, he's turning out to be one of the the big big names in in European midfield. Um, Sabitza, re- brilliant crossfield pass to the the fullback liner, and and what a finish from him from a tight angle to give the Austrians the lead. And then uh, after that, it was Goran Pande was seized on a goalkeeping error actually from. Uh, uh, from Bachmann to to sort of tie up the score, and then uh, in the second half, you know, a brilliant, enticing ball from David Alaba to allow Gregoric to slot home uh, the go-ahead goal about 10 minutes before uh, the end of the game, and then Marko Anatovic, uh, his goal really putting the putting the icing on the cake for the Austrians in this first game, but. Uh, Obviously, there was some tension between the players uh, due to the political issues, which I'm not going to get into, but it, it's definitely things you don't want to see on a football field uh, between uh, between two teams and, and you know, especially the, the way the tensions are at the moment between uh, between those countries and, and the countries surrounding them. So, uh, in all in all, a good result for Austria and um, getting, off, getting off in Group C... Uh, puts them ahead of the Netherlands uh, and in Ukraine and Macedonia, obviously with zero points. And that was the other game in the same group as the Netherlands against Ukraine was probably the game of the week. Uh, Nil-nil in the first half, the Dutch definitely looked more, uh, you know, powerful. Uh, Dumfries had a free header that went just wide, uh, and you know that th- th- traditional three-five-two. And again, people didn't know what to expect of Frank de Boer in a big tournament. Uh, especially because his coaching career has been up and down. Everybody knows that spell, Crystal Palace, of course. Um, but uh, with 1-3 at the back, classic Dutch formation with Timber, De Vrij, and Blin. Timber is only a teenager, and it was his third game for the Netherlands, and he's starting the uh, finals in a, in, a, in a European championship. And, of course, the first goal again was a goalkeeping error. The, goal, uh, the, the Ukrainian goalkeeper... Uh, Bushan pushing it straight into the path of Wijnaldum and that was kind of unfortunate because Bushan had had a really good game up, up until then making some important saves in the first half to help Ukraine go through uh, without having conceded but uh, Wijnaldum good finish with his boot the soon-to-be PSG player with his left foot um, getting the go-ahead goal and Weghorst uh, well obviously that goal uh, you know had some controversy around it whether it was offside, whether it was uh, it was a, it was a foul on the uh, on on Dumfries, but they got they got the goal to stand, and then after that, you know, it looked like smooth sailing for the Dutch. But Andrei Yamalenko with one of the goals of the tournament so far, cutting in from the left hand side and curling one past Stecklenburg, uh, brilliant finish to give some hope, and then uh, Yaremchuk. Uh, to equalize with a brilliant header later on, just four minutes later, and that stunned the crowd at uh, the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam. But ultimately, it was a, it was a guy who missed the uh, sitter in the first half, Dumfries, to, to, 
to uh, to sort of amend for his mistake earlier on in a towering header, which I think should have been saved by Bushan. Uh, and it's a and it's a real shame for Bushan because he had such a good game the first half, made some important saves as I mentioned earlier. But uh, it's what a start to this tournament for the Netherlands. You know, obviously uh, missing Donny Van de Beek uh, and you know Daily Blind, of course, came up with a statement after uh, what happened to Christian Eriksen. You know, obviously he'd he'd been through the same personal horror experience. So it was nice to see support for them, and you know, obviously they were friends and. Uh, it was it was good to see uh, positive messages being sent to each other all along. But a quick word on the on the Dutch team. I do think um, they're sneakily good in this tournament. That midfield, though, you know, Frankie De Jong uh, and Martin De Roon. I don't I don't know if that's the sort of ideal midfield that uh, Frank De Boer will want to play in the future. They also have uh, Davy Klaassen who could play in there. Um, and and obviously I would think you know Luke De Jong up front could also be a threat for for them and and they do have Joel Veltman uh, you know instead of they could play Joel Veltman in uh, instead of Timber um, but yeah this Dutch team definitely obviously they're not in the brackets for the favorites and it's good to see them back in a major tournament but um, I do think they will definitely advance from this group. Uh, and, and we'll see how they play against the, the likes of the Czech Republic, who themselves picked up a solid, solid win uh, in, in Scotland. Um, obviously, the lineups, uh, you know, Scotland going with a 3-5-2. They have that really sort of long-banded midfield of McGinn, McTominay and Armstrong uh, using Andrew Robertson as a uh, left wing back. Uh, and then they have Dykes and Christie up front. Whereas for the Czech Republic, it was a more trans... Uh, transformational 4-3-3 with uh, Suchek and Karl midfield and Yangto and Mapus uh, as well as Schick with the front three and Derrida sort of playing in that number 10 role. Um, but yeah, I, I think this game, of course, the, what a goal from Patrick Schick in the in the second half to, to finish things, um, you know, from distance, catching David Marshall out. And it was his finish in the first half uh, that actually put them in the lead so and he did have a really good chance to get a hat trick and fair play to the uh, Czech Republic team when once they did go two up ahead, um, they did not try and just see the game out. They tried to add to their to their score and to be fair, they could have added uh, a couple more goals the way they were playing. And for Scotland, it was a day of missed opportunities. They hit the they hit the woodwork during the game. There were a lot of half chances that they did not take and. You know, just on the day, you know, even the in the substitutes. I thought Kevin Nisbet had a good game. He came on and uh, really added energy to the Scottish team. But in midfield, there was not enough quality to sort of deal with the uh, uh, Czech Republic midfield. And most of the times, they were uh, sort of stopped by the likes of Suchek and Kral in midfield. Um, so overall, good performance from the from the Czech, and you know, not conceding. So it puts them on top of the table in that group. And then we move on to Poland, Slovakia, and. And uh, what a season Robert Lewandowski's had. But in this game, you know, unfortunately, he was not able to have the impact that he normally does. He got into good positions, you know, a couple of miss, uh, miss, miss hits from the, the veteran Bayern striker. Uh, and again, that this is an interesting formation from Poland. You know, three at the back, uh, three in midfield with Kowiak holding it. And then you have Rybos and the Leedsman Klik. And you have Linetti and... Nozviak on the on the wings with uh, two forwards. I'm not sure 
if that's a formation that Poland would want to go with for the rest of the tournament, especially with the way they were, uh, the Slovaks were getting into the to the midfield with relative ease because they were playing a more traditional 4-3-3. Uh, and I thought Mack had a really good game. And honestly, on the other side, and Hamšík with those runs, obviously he's uh, a much more older statesman now. Um, but again, this the Slovak team did look solid in that game, uh, and obviously. Uh, they took the lead through an own goal, but it was some really good piece of skill from Mac. I, I did think it was some weak defending in that as well, as he cut in from the left-hand side and shot towards the post. Came off the post, actually, and came off Chesney for an unfortunate own goal for the Polish goalkeeper. But uh, at that point, the, the Slovaks didn't care. They had the lead. Um, it was a pretty balanced game in terms of shots. Uh, but, you know, Poland came out singing in the uh, start of the second half and Linetti, obviously one of the most luckiest finishes you will ever see off his off his weak foot, off his right foot, um, and into the corner uh, to equalize. And then obviously Krakowiak getting sent off for his second yellow card. And, and you know, the winner from an unlikely source, Milan Skrinar, with a brilliant uh, sort of striker sort of finish from inside the box to give Slovakia the points. This is a huge result. In that group, especially considering the fact that you also have um, two other teams who are fighting to sort of get out of the group uh, within it, you know, with the likes of Spain and Sweden who drew uh, nil-nil. And that's the next game I'll be talking about. Um, for all the domination that Spain had, they weren't able to show a goal for it. And partly because of the brilliance of uh, Olsen and goal for the Swedes, uh, I think Lindelof, Danielson... And Augustinson were superb. Um, Lustig got himself in a little bit of car trouble here and there. Um, but I thought he was pretty solid as well. And, and, and that midfield, that flat four midfield of Olsen, Ekdal, Fosberg and Larsen. Uh, Fosberg and Larsen themselves, very experienced. Ekdal himself, very experienced. Uh, but I did think in the first half at times, especially the, the way the game was panning out, where Spain was more uh, definitely more dominant than, than Sweden that they could have gone with a 4-2-3-1 and sort of beefed up the midfield rather than having both Isaac and Berg. Uh, I thought Isaac had a very good game, actually. The, you know, cute dribbles here and there, um, getting past defenders and sort of just allowing the Swedes to uh, release some of that pressure uh, by just having the ball and by taking it into the Spanish half. Um, yeah, this Spain in general, I don't think Alvaro Morata is, is a sort of striker that scares people like you know the likes of Harry Kane and and Lewandowski do uh in Europe but um I do think I do think the Spain team could could do with some cutting edge with the, with another with the number nine there you know I thought Fabian Ruiz did okay when he came on Oyatabal uh and you know Spain Spain's normally played with the false niner so that's something that Luis Enrique could uh, could look look ahead to in the future games. And obviously, Simon started instead of De Gea, which I thought uh, was interesting as well. Um, and then, obviously, it's the first game for Aymeric Laporte in a big competition for Spain. Um, so, uh, since switching his nationality. But apart from the sort of lack of cutting edge, I think Spain should definitely be um, encouraged by the runs from Koke, the sort of sturdiness from Pedri and Rodri in the midfield, uh, the runs of Jordi Alba on the left-hand side as usual. Uh, and, you know, obviously the athleticism of uh, Marcos Llorente, who was, uh, who was also brilliant throughout the game. 
And I thought the combinations between Ferran and uh, Dani Olmo throughout the game definitely gave Spain chances. And obviously, they were, Sweden should have actually scored in the second half with Berg. Uh, you know, after having hit the woodwork as well, Sweden. So, um, there are some uh, rules of missed opportunities on either side. But I think Spain would definitely be the, the more... Uh, the more sort of unhappier team they should have taken three points from that game and then finally we come to group f it's hungary against portugal um this game looked it it, it, it was definitely a one-sided game throughout you know portugal in the first half Diego jota uh had a shot with his left foot that was saved easily there were a couple of other chances for for rafa silva um and, and then Hungary themselves had a chance to go ahead in the second half. Uh, you know, their goal obviously was ruled out for offside, uh, which was unfortunate. And then right after that, uh, Rafael Guerrero uh, really is a sort of string of luck there for Portugal, especially with the cross that came into him, um, deflected into the path of Rafael Guerrero, and then his shot deflected away from the goalkeeper. Um Gulashi, which which gave him no chance of saving it, um, but I think it was deserved for Portugal at that point. There was some good interplay before that finish, um, and then of course the penalty, which I don't think was uh, a pen- penalty, but obviously VR will not overrule uh, the decision unless there is a clear and obvious error. And you know when there is a penalty, this decision like that, uh, the uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to step up and bury it, and that's exactly what he did to sort of put the game beyond doubt three minutes before time. And then there was a uh, solid finish from Ronaldo again. Slight hint of offside maybe on that occasion. But, uh, you know, putting the seal on the game. And, and Portugal look really solid. They have a very, very solid uh, midfield base. They have a solid attacking quartet with, you know, Bernardo Silva, Diogo Jota, Fernandes and Ronaldo. Um, there's creativity, there's pace, there's ingenuity in that quartet. And, you know, the, the holders definitely looked like uh, one of the favorites to to go deep into this competition. They also have squad depth. They have the likes of Ruben Neves, Renato Sanchez in midfield, obviously Jao Martinho when needed. Um, and they have a nice combination of pace and strength, you know, in William Carvalho and De- Danilo Pereira. Um, and obviously Ruben Diaz uh, in, in defense. So all in all, a really strong team for Portugal and a strong result to get them underway in Group F, especially knowing the fact that Group F also has France and Germany in it, which is the last game of match week one. And and this game was definitely not the stellar France-Germany game that we were looking for, but uh, the only goal was being, with the only goal being an own goal for Mats Hummels, but there was some brilliant play before that from Pogba and from, from Hernandez. Uh, whose really awkward cross sort of forced Hummels to put in the back of the net. I still think it's a it's an unfortunate situation to be put in um, uh, for Mats Hummels, but he should be doing better. He, sh- he should not be kicking the ball into his uh, own net or being miscuing it into his own net. As far as teams are concerned, I think France definitely look a lot more settled than Germany at the moment. You know, obviously that back four of Varane, Kimpembe and the two fullbacks, Hernandez and Pava definitely look settled. The midfield is where their strength lies in Kante, Pogba and Rabio, and obviously they're, they have Benzema back uh, in, in attack and obviously Kylian Mbappe himself had a goal ruled out for offside. It was a brilliant finish from, 
from Mbappe and then Rabiot hitting the post as well for France. France definitely were the better team throughout. Germany had a lot more of the ball in moments, but again, you know, they had a they were playing a false line obviously with Müller and Havertz sort of flanking Gnabry, but I do think that German midfield need, uh, needs some oomph and the, the German attack, you know, obviously you want to have Timo Werner up there uh providing, you know, uh, some some sort of attacking threat and a focal point for you. Um but if if I if I was Jogi Löw right now I wouldn't be too concerned uh, because they did create some chances uh to equalize um in the first half and and in the second half as well. But it all no I think Germany were definitely uh the, the second best team in that game but uh every game now becomes important especially knowing the fact that Portugal and France both have won their first games. Um Portugal definitely looks like the uh, favorites in this group. Uh with I think France will go through and and you know France will go through as well. Uh but we do need to see who can finish third. Uh and 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 whether they'll be in the next round. So Germany will have to pick up as many points as they can from the remaining games. And that's the end of the Euro roundup of match week 1. Well, what a what a first week it's been. Uh there've been some really surprising results. Obviously Slovakia uh getting a big big win in uh in in match week 1. Turkey putting their stamp uh on this tournament. Finland albeit in the circumstances beating Denmark 1-0 in Copenhagen. Um and obviously the big hitters like Portugal and Belgium uh put away their uh Uh, sorry opponents in game week 1 with scorelines of 3-0 but the game of the week was definitely the Netherlands and Ukraine going all the way down to the wire and it required the head of right wing back Denzel Dumfries to to help the Dutch win the game um but all in all I think it's been a very interesting tournament so far really really good games and uh, uh look forward to match week 2 and for you guys thank you so much for listening uh and have a good one